This is In Community Conversation with Clayton. You can text any of our guests uh, at any time throughout the show, 0428 899 899. That's the text line, 0428 899 899. And joining me now is, uh, well, one of the most favourite people I've ever sat and and got to hear in a, a live session. He's one of Australia's leading thought thinkers. Um, he uh, hosts his own podcast. He's uh, involved in a whole host of various things. Mojo is a key word. We'll get him to talk about that as well from GaryBurtWhistle.com. It is Gary himself. Great to have you with us. Thanks so much, Gary. Mate, what a great way to spend a Sunday night. Oh, look, it's uh, very, very good. We love doing this. We love having a <laughs> chat through all sorts of things. And, uh, and you know, you get to do it from the uh, the coziness of your own, own lounge room as well during this. Yes, you don't need sir. to come to the studio. Yes, sir. It's wonderful. Gary, um, look, I, I suppose I want to just start off by um, talking a little bit about your journey to help us frame, I suppose, how you think about the world. We want to talk today about uh, some of the ways we, we can look at um, how we innovate during COVID. We want to look at some of the learnings that you've seen as you, you look around the world. You, you're quite a keen observer. Mm. And we also want to talk about how we set goals, uh, even in the midst mm. of this. So each of those areas you, you've got a real keen interest in. And I know you've actually helped me uh, very specifically, and I know you, you know you certainly helped my mum as uh, she was battling cancer a number of years ago, and and one of your sessions meant that we were able to work through a whole lot of stuff for her as as she went through things. But um, let's talk about uh, how did you actually get to this place? You know, being one of Australia's leading thought thinkers, um, you know, that's I'm not guessing as a kid you you thought, oh, that's what I'm going to be, you know, when I grow up, that's what I'm <laughs> desiring to be. So, what's the journey that's led you to actually be playing in this space? Do you know, as far back as I can remember, I've always got such joy out of having somebody unlock an idea. I was never one who wanted to always have the idea. Mm. But I've always been really curious. And it's, it's funny, Clayton, because I remember back to even being a kid. My dad was in the bank for 33 years. He only had one job ever. He was in the same bank for 33 years. Wow. And I remember him saying to me, why, why do you always have to do things differently? And ever since I was a kid, I would get in a lot of trouble because I just, I wasn't a rat bag, but I never, I, I was always curious about the next idea or trying things. And I really didn't like doing the same thing as everybody else. And I think I progressed through my life, through my work, had some success, had some disasters. And then I got to a point where, I was sitting in a room with 2,000 people and this guy who was facilitating the session said, write down what you want for the next 3, 5, 10, 15 years of your life. And when I wrote it down and stepped back from the page, I wasn't doing what I wanted to do. And I was 33 years old and I said, I can't do another day doing what I don't love that's not in my future. So I quit. And that started me on the whole speaking and then writing and then podcasting and so on. So it, it kind of has been a thread through my world. Yeah. Um, I, I know certainly, um, you know, from my perspective, uh, the, the moments that you've done is that you've always simplified things. It seems like that uh, tends to be uh, some sort of a thread that you have as you, you go through it. It is that sort of standing back moment and, and trying to get something down to a simpler form that, we can manage and, and grapple with? Is that something that you sort of naturally do yourself, Gary, or am I sort of right in, in the way that you, you sort of approach life and encourage others to look at life too? I always figure if I can't understand it, Clayton, other people won't. Yeah. So anything I find, and it's interesting, in the last month, 
during this whole COVID thing, I've taken a real interest in Sherlock Holmes. And only because I interviewed a lady called Marie Konnikova, Maria Konnikova, who's got a new book coming out next week called The Biggest Bluff. And she wrote a book on Sherlock Holmes. And she piqued my interest in it. So I started reading and learning about Sherlock Holmes. And there's this one saying where he asks Watson, how many steps are there at 221B Baker Street? And Watson said, I don't know. Sherlock Holmes said, there are 17 steps. That's the difference between you and I, Watson. You see, I see and observe. Mm. And when Maria said that to me, I thought, that's exactly how I see the world. I I look at what's going on. (laughs) I spend a lot of time thinking about it to say, what does that mean? And how can I put that into a way that somebody else can take value from that? And... I, I do see a lot of things and I sit down, I observe them and then endeavor, as you were saying, to, to share in whatever medium with people to help them find a cracking idea to get their mojo working in some aspect of their life. It could be as a, as a parent, a partner, in a social sense, in a business sense, in a community sense, the environment. That doesn't worry me so much. It's just I, I don't like people who share things that are the same as everybody else or they can't add value to someone's life. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk a bit about some of these things that you've noticed, especially during, uh, you know, COVID. But before we do, uh, we, I mentioned Mojo, you mentioned it then as well. It, it's a pretty key word for you. Talk to us about uh, what it means for you and, and uh, the reason that it it's pretty key for you. <laughs> I was doing a speaking job in Atlanta in the United States and I had done my job and there was a guy about to follow me on the stage and I was sitting in the front row next to a, a, a lady and I was doing Austin Powers impersonations and I was, <laughs> I was talking about Mojo and what dawned on me is that people go to these big conferences, they sit there, they are taking all these great notes, they're sharing business cards around the world, people from different parts of the city in Melbourne, they're sharing, they're really excited, they get back to their desk, they start to execute. And then with two weeks later, they're having dinner for the Bicky Tin at seven o'clock at night and they're going, man, I felt so good. Who stole my mojo? Like I came out of that conference and I, I felt great. Who stole my mojo? And that became the book. And it was interesting that soon after the media started using that term for companies that lost that mojo is about that pizzazz or vitality or verve or energy that some people, some leaders or some companies have that others don't. And it's occurred to me that we go on holidays, come back from holidays and we're jazzed, we feel great, we're learning, we've slept well, we've eaten pretty well, we've exercised, feeling really good. And there's a point where you go, what happened to all that holiday feeling? I've lost my mojo. Mm. And I wanted to know the commonalities that we could have as a checklist that would help us keep that feeling all the time. Yeah. Love that. We're going to be back with uh, Gary in just a couple of moments of time as we start unpacking some of what he's seen uh, during this time of COVID, as you said, to, to see and observe, to, to do both of those. What are some of the things he's learned? What are some of the things he's noted that people are doing or organisations or politics is occurring? Uh, you can ask your questions as well. We're going to talk about uh, setting our goals. We're going to talk about innovating in this time. Uh, anything from Gary, you can text through 0428 899 899 here on 89.9 The Light. In conversation with Clayton. 
89.9 The Light. This is In Community Conversation with Clayton and one of Australia's leading thought leaders, Gary Burtwistle, is joining me from garybertwistle.com. Uh, you can ask any of your questions of Gary as well on 0428 899 899. Now, Gary, I know uh, one of the things uh, that I, I absolutely love about the way you look at the world is you certainly do look around and uh, whether it's politics, whether it's business, whether it's wherever else it might be, you, you tend to pick out things that people are doing and highlight it, as you, you mentioned, it, things that people are looking and thinking about in different ways. Um, during this time of COVID, you know, a lot of people have been analysing a lot of things, but I'm really fascinated to see what what are the things that you've seen, whether it's been people or organisations or, or politics or whatever, that uh, you've gone, well, they've just really grabbed a hold of something and, and done something with a situation that's so dire for so many? Um, if we dive into this, there's two parts. From a business sense, come the end of February, beginning of March, when everything got very, very real, I think what's been interesting to look at the business and or politics organizations of any size, it, it really has been a leadership and a cultural test. Mm. And it's tested the culture of the business because you and I have been around, we see all these documents with great mission statements and values and purposes and all this stuff. This pandemic was the first time where those documents have truly been tested. And so many companies talk about it's about our people. And when things really got tough a number of months ago, the question is, well, how important are your people versus the bank balance? And I think it was really evident to see how leaders really led in terms of being able to stand in front of their team and say, here's what we know. Here's what we don't know. Here's the science or data behind it. Here's our next steps and here's why we're doing it. And to be able to communicate on a regular basis against their mission and values of what they've been spruiking these people. You see, the thing for me with this, Clayton, is that success is not measured on the sunny days. Anybody can play really well on a great day. Mm. It's when it's stormy and it's dark and it's a hurricane. That's where the true leadership stands up and especially where the great cultures stand up. So I have found that really interesting. And thankfully I've seen, particularly amongst small business, some leaders who really went way above and beyond because it was about their people. And I think those companies will come out the other end of the storm in a much better position. And when we come out of it, I think all of us have to understand that it's going to be different in some way. Now, the people that I work one-to-one with, I'm saying, well, the pandemic forced us to make change. So in a business sense, what's interesting is 40% of HR people around the world said having to work from home or decentralise our business has actually worked better than we think. Mm. And 60% of workers have said, I like it. So now the question is, rather just get back into unnormal, what, what has worked for you as a work individually or a sole operator? What's work that you want to keep? And then you've got to have the discipline and the determination to keep that in your world ongoing. Because what's, what's come out of it, there's the business part, the personal part. What's come out of the personal part is people are feeling more fulfilled. You know, I have leaders or people working who can say, I can get up in the morning and have breakfast with my kids, a proper breakfast, without, without having to worry about rushing off and commuting. 
and I'm at home. I can go and pick them up back from school and then come and do something in the afternoon. I haven't got to spend an hour commuting coming home. So there's the productivity has still been very high, but the fulfillment level has been much higher. And, you know, your question was, you know, managing change and how things look into the future. I think that all of us, it's incumbent upon us to go, what were the bits we really liked? If we, if we were fortunate enough to dodge the pandemic for our family, friends and loved ones, out of that, what has worked really well that we can keep and maintain in our day, in our week, in our month, to create the most fulfilled life, which gives us happiness? And I think that's the personal bit we can take on. And then from a company perspective is to say, if productivity was, was good and we still did all we needed to do in the eyes of our clients. For example, I know a guy who works in manufacturing for a supermarket item. And now they're starting to get back to some sort of resembling what they used to do shift-wise. He said the split shift worked really well because some guys like to do the split shift because they like the idea of being more, having more time with their parents, with their kids. So I think the challenge for us is to work out which bitch we loved to stay, which bitch we'll fight for. And things like um, buying plants. So many people started growing a garden. How beautiful is that? Mm. You, couldn't, you couldn't buy a chicken because people were buying chickens for the backyard to have their own food. So I think that sort of stuff was absolutely beautiful and buying online from local producers and the care and welfare we had for people in our communities around us. I think there is so much good has come from it that we need to fight for the things that fulfill us and make us feel good. Yeah. Um, from your perspective, as you look at, at things as well, part of the way and the reason it seems to have worked for, from the way I'm looking at it is that everyone had to do it, right? Like we've got a government who is saying here in Victoria, especially, you know, hey, you, you, you have to work at home if you can. Um, everyone was sort of effectively forced into that. So when it, that that unlocks, how do we actually not just allow it to run back to normal and actually fight for it? You know, you say we've got to fight for it. And I get the idea that the first part of it is actually to say, actually, let's analyse this, let's see what we want to do. I suppose how do we not just let the tidal wave push us back that way when the tidal wave pushed us out in a sense too? You know, we, we didn't really have the choice of that. It just sort of happened. Is there a way to do that and, and, and to sort of put the stakes in the ground to say, this is how we're going to actually do it? Are you seeing people who are, who are working out the how to do that well yet, Gary? I am, Clayton. I think the, the first part is to know over the last couple of months, don't see it as being it was just a pandemic. We were forced to make change, absolutely. And companies and people would never have done it had we not been forced to do it. So now we've been forced to do it, we've tried it. It works good. And the example is how many times, you know, I was talking to people in Sydney, they say uh, a client or a customer in Melbourne will get them to fly to Melbourne for a one-hour meeting mm. and they'll fly back again. Well, they couldn't do that for the last couple of months. They had to do it by Zoom. So no one had a choice, but it worked. So part of it is going, well, what does utopia look like for you for fulfilled life? Yeah. For you the business, you running a small business, medium-sized business, large what, what does utopia look like for you outlining your perfect day based on what's happened what was really good your perfect day your perfect week your perfect month and then visualize that as being what you want to strive towards now if you work for somebody granted you have to 
take that to the boss or the owner of the organisation to sell them in. But what's really surprising, Clayton, is how often people make assumptions about what the boss will or won't allow <laughs> yeah, yeah. without asking the question. But if, if your measure of success is around productivity, performance, customer delight, client delight, whatever those metrics are, if you can still do it, and you can do it in a more fulfilled manner where you feel better about yourself and your work, then you've got a really good argument to take to your boss. And quite often the boss hasn't thought about it because they've got so much on their plate. Mm. So it's a leadership issue from a, an overall running the business and seeing the vision for the future of the business, but also from someone who works in the company. I'd be going through and articulating exactly what day, week, month you want to have as a fulfilled life because work is part of your life. If work is all of your life, then there's a bigger change that needs to be made. Yeah, absolutely. My guest this evening is Gary Burtwistle. He's one of Australia's leading thought leaders from GaryBurtwistle.com. We're going to be back with him in a couple of minutes' time. We do want to talk about um, how we set goals. Uh, I don't think I've heard anyone better than Gary talking about how you set goals and how you actually move yourself forward. So well, we're going to dig into that with Gary next here on 89.9 The Light, Positive Radio. In conversation with Clayton. This is 89.9 The Light, Positive Radio. It's in community conversation with Clayton. You can text her any questions, 0428 899 899. My guest is Gary Burtwistle. He is one of Australia's leading thought leaders from GaryBurtwistle.com. Um, it's wonderful to, to be chatting with you, Gary, about um, you know how we look at things, what, what we, we've chatted about just in the last couple of minutes, this idea of what do we want to take from uh, this time of the pandemic and, and put into our world, both maybe from a business point of view and also from a personal point of view. One of the things that you've certainly impacted my world and my family's world is when I heard you talk about setting goals and, and, and making those changes in our world, um, I was inspired by your own journey of, of, you know, I think it was moving out to the country and, and having this mm. sort of a path of it. Would you be able to share, I suppose, this idea of, of how can we break down a big goal to something that's manageable and we can actually start pushing through what, whatever we want to decide during this time. We want to change something. We want to step into something new. We've all been thinking those sorts of things during this time. Um, could you share some of the way that you do that and, and your encouragement? Whenever I'm talking to somebody, Clayton, whether it be you know the station um, that we're on now or you personally, I always ask people what the dream is. And I think back when I was a kid growing up, and I'm, as you know, I'm going back a ways, if mum said I'd pick you up from training at, from footy training at five o'clock and she was late, you just had the bus stop. There was nothing to do. You just sat at the bus stop. Yeah. And nowadays, the minute people have a break of 10 or 20 seconds, they are distracted, pick up a phone. And, that, and Leonardo da Vinci said that um, there's no room in a busy mind for creativity. And I always start with getting people to tell me what's the dream because everything we have in life was created twice. The, the first time somebody could see it, then they created it. And regardless of what area of life we're talking about, I start with paint me the picture. It doesn't going to be a nice sentence or a nice lines. Just paint me the picture on mine. Talk me through what do you want in a year, two years, five years, whatever it might be. Once I've got that picture, then you can stand back and say, what's the smallest possible thing you can do to start moving toward that and almost pick something you can't fail at. And an example of what I'm talking about here was last week I was talking to a young guy from the States and his name was Kyle Maynard. 
I read his book, Clayton, back in 2005. He, he wrote a book called No Excuses. And the book was about him growing up as a congenital amputee. He had no arms below the elbows mm. and no legs below the knees. And the book was about his journey to become a state champion wrestler with no arms below the elbows and no legs below the knees, owning a CrossFit gym. And more recently, he climbed Kilimanjaro. Oh, man. So he's the first ever quadruple amputee to climb Kilimanjaro, one of the biggest mountains in the world. And the reason I, I tell this story is because he's an example of what I'm talking about here is he had this dream of climbing Kilimanjaro and as a purpose to be of service to others and to be an inspiration to others who maybe have a similar condition or people who are facing their own hardships. And we were talking and I said, there must have been a time where you really found it difficult. You were in a dark place. And he said, Gary, I could see the summit. I could see what I, I could see my dream. I could see where I wanted to go. And I sat in my tent at night and I thought I was done because there's a certain time limit you have to hit to get the top of Kilimanjaro in that time you booked. He said, I could see the summit. I didn't know if I could get there. And he said, I knew I could do three feet. I didn't know if I get to the summit, but I knew I could climb three feet. So I woke up in the morning and I climbed three feet. I stopped, looked up. I didn't know if I get to the summit, but I knew I could do three feet. And to me, where it's missing is that people focus on the outcome. They focus on just the top of the mountain. They don't focus on the process. And for me, goal setting is I just want to know from people in any aspect of their life, what can you see? What do you want? Not what you think you can do. Tell me what you want in any aspect of your life. And once you've got that picture, you explain it to me and you buy into it and you believe in it and you have an absolute desire for that thing, then I want to know what's your next three feet. And if it's about writing a book, tell me what the book's about. Tell me what you can see, the success you're going to have with it. Great. What's the first, the littlest possible step? Open your laptop. I don't know what to type. Type a word. Type start. Just the smallest possible thing. And there's science behind this because we talk about motivation. We lose motivation on the journeys because we focus on the outcome and not on the process. And Chris McChesney, he wrote the four books of execution, of discipline. He, uh, he's the expert in making dreams happen, execution. And he studied with Stephen Covey back in the day. Still works at Covey, Frankie, Franklin Covey now. He said the best way to motivate people is to find small wins. So if I glue all this together, the first thing is what do you want? Paint me the picture. Not what, not what you think you can do. What do you want? Why do you want it? Give me a compelling reason. You've got to have that desire. And just talk me through the smallest possible step you can take. It's almost a step where you can't fail. And then once you take that step, let's acknowledge it because that's a win. Now tell me the next little step. The companies that have these big lofty dreams and a 27-page document of how to get there, they're kidding themselves because so much can happen. And the COVID the COVID whole situation was a blip in the radar for those that have the dreams that are off into the future, those that are truly shaping the future or have dreams they believe in. The COVID certainly took us off track. But the people who say we're going to bounce back, it means they're bouncing back to where they were is because they fail to have these dreams in the future. But it all starts with right now, tell me what you're going to do. Not what you're going to try to do or you'd like to do. What are you going to do? 
And I got to say, it sounds simple, Clayton. It's it, the simplicity of it is actually where, as Da Vinci said, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Yeah, um, it, it feels, I suppose, in in one sense, you know, it feels relieving to go. Oh, it, it does feel quite simple if I just do that. It it feels contradictory in another sense that we all sort of go. Well, if the plan is to you know get to to top of Mount Kilimanjaro, well, the next thing we should actually look at is. What's the equipment that we're going to need to get there? And then the next thing is should be how much training would I have to do? So that sort of feels like working back from the outcome. Um, but you're sort of saying, look, f- forget about those couple of steps that would get to the final part of the outcome. Just start with right now where you are and start moving in that direction. Is that another way of sort of what we're talking about? Yeah, if, we, if you and I were going to do Kilimanjaro, the, the, the first thing we do is we'd find a website that says, how do you climb Kilimanjaro? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> first step. And then we'd probably say, what do we need to, when would we go? Yeah. Uh, we would need time off work. We would say, who, who do we need to train? What equipment do we need? We could do all the stuff immediately. But people would say, I could never do it. It's too lofty a dream. But we could do all those steps within the next 20 minutes. Yeah. And those be all little steps until we start to get some momentum. We go, actually, there's a win here. We actually could do this. There's a really good window there. And we could get this guy from Australia who's done it. We could actually set up a Zoom call with him to talk through what we do. And we could go and spend some time in, in the mountains. So we could actually do those things. But if we focus on the process, and if you find if someone's done it, it can be done. Mm. So pretty much all these things, somebody's done it, it can be done. The first thing is research, buying a book, buying a journal. It's all those little things we do that we focus too much and we compare ourselves to the outcome of somebody else as opposed to worrying about, well, how bad do you want to do this idea? Even if you want to explore climbing Kilimanjaro, the simplest possible things is when do you do it, how long does it take, and what do you need to be able to do it? We could do that in an hour. Is there a win here either way that if you end up doing that for an hour and then actually you never come back to it, that that you've scratched an itch that you were never actually going to do and so therefore it's done? Or is that actually a moment where we go, uh, well, if you're fair income about that, we've got to keep coming back to that. How do we balance out the um, doing the easy... Because it feels like we're doing some of the easy steps, right, which is what you're saying. And we're doing some of those easy things because we're starting the process, we celebrate those wins. How do we make sure we, we sort of... St- you know, do dig in as we, we get further on as the, the harder things start coming? There's two parts to that. Number one is you will dig in if it means a lot to you. Yeah, right. If it's important to you, and, you know, we had conversations in the break of things that were, that, that were difficult for you, but because they were important to you, in fact, the most important thing, you did them. Yeah. So if it's important to you and you get a desire, then as things start to get harder, it's just part of the journey. And because the harder it is, the more you're going to celebrate at the top of Kilimanjaro. And we know that all growth comes from discomfort. So all those things mapped in together is why you would go through that journey if it really means something to you. And as you tick off those things, and also as you start to do some of those harder things, you start to surprise yourself. You start to feel good about those wins. And suddenly there is momentum. And momentum is a big player in this. In anything we're going to set as a, as a small goal leads to a bigger goal, we need momentum, which is the small wins. And so I think that's an important part to it, Clayton, is acknowledging that it's going to be harder in some parts. But the first part is starting off and going, well, what are those things that we could start with as opposed to just focusing on the outcome to it? 
it's having that desire to make those first little steps. You can uh, ask any question you'd like, 0428 899 899 of Gary. We're going to be back with him in a couple of minutes' time. And I want to ask Gary, as we finish up our time with him this evening, um, what has he learnt during this time of COVID uh, personally? Uh, and what is he going to do differently? We've talked a bit about that. We've talked a bit about the ideas of some of the things that we want to change in life. What is it for him that he has learnt and he'd like to do differently? We'll hear from him in a moment here on 89.9 The Light. In conversation with Clayton. 89.9 The Light. This is Positive Radio. You're in community conversation with Clayton. It is wonderful to have your company this evening. Gary Birtwistle from GaryBirtwistle.com, one of Australia's leading thought thinkers, is uh, my special guest. Gary, I wanted to uh, chat to you just as we do wrap up the evening uh, around what you've learnt during this time. Uh, we've spent a whole lot of uh, our time already today talking about how we do observe things, how we identify things for ourselves, how we uh, set some goals for ourselves as we, we walk through uh, the, the, you know, sort of still in the middle of the, the COVID and the pandemic and then beyond that, um, whether it be for business or personal. I'm wondering, what are some of the things you've learned and some of the things you're going to be putting into practice and change as we, we come out the end of this pandemic? I think from a, a business perspective in my industry, which is, public speaking, I think there's going to be a hybrid, Clayton, between live events and virtual events, which you and I have spoken about, the fact I've built my own virtual Zoom keynote studio, which which is something very unique in the world in terms of how I've done it to enhance the learning for people on that call as opposed to just communicating but learning. So I think... I think that's going to be a bigger picture. I think with the conversation we've had tonight, there is going to be a hybrid between work from home, but you still go to the office. There'll be offsite conferences, but there'll be also be virtual stuff. So I think that will remain in a form. But I think the thing that I'm most excited about for people that I think has been a positive outcome from the pandemic is that people, people are now have been forced to spend some time on their own. And I know you and I before have talked about creating innovation either for our community or ourselves or our companies, our business. And I think if anything, people getting used to being in solitude again and people used to being with themselves again, I think that's been a really positive thing. And I I hope that as we talked about as part of what's happened that will stay in the future, whether it be walking or, or sitting with a book or the journal, meditating, a swim, gardening, but I hope people will build into their perfect day thinking time where they can sit and think really hard about an opportunity and or think through a problem because things will be different it's going to be more acceptable for those that can say things will be different. What does this mean? How do I take advantage? How do I help somebody else? How do I be of service to somebody else? So I think that a leader has to understand that that's an important part of the creative process for all of us. And Cal Newport, C-A-L Newport, wrote a wonderful book called Deep Work, which is deep work is defined as cognitively challenging work that you stay with for an extended period of time. And that is solitude. And the people who can sit and think through things really hard will be the ones that will find more fulfillment and instigate more change. And if you are fortunate enough to be a parent or influence young 
people, kids or young people around us, there is nothing more empowering than a child looking at a parent who's sitting and thinking and pondering and dreaming about the future or how to solve a problem. And I think if we read widely, lots of different things, we take time to think, we take time to ponder, and we both see and observe, and we are curious, and we ask more questions of people around us and more questions of ourselves, I think that's the trick to taking the best use of what we've been through because we've been forced to do it. I think that is going to be able to create the pathway, the small pathway to the dreams you've got for the future. Yeah. It's one of those remarkable things, isn't it, that we all have access to. Um, it's not one of those ones where you have to make sure you go and buy something and you have the right gear and you whatever else it is. We actually all have access to it. It's that all these other things seem to jump in the middle of it. Um, and it is so easy and there are so many other benefits, but this is the, the place that we, we often find ourselves in as well. Um, Gary, it's been uh, just awesome having you on. Uh, as I, I mentioned at the start, um, anytime I, I get to hear from you and, and, and just uh, listen to you speak, I'm always challenged and, and my life is always better as I go forward. So thank you for taking some of that time and, and giving some of your time to us and for so many tonight as well. No, it's a privilege. I was great to catch up. I haven't seen you for a while and uh, it was great to hear your voice.